Okay, so everybody, I want to remind you very quickly that we are a people who need the word of God. So many things change. So much is just kind of in the wind. Just one day Costco has something and then the next day they don't. It's what a real issue. Some days daddies are there and some days they're gone. Mommies are there and then they're gone. Children there and then they're gone. There's a lot and this seems ominous and I'm actually letting you know that when we talk about the word of God and you guys sit here and you listen to people talk and you sing and you're a part of it in the interaction, words are a big deal. Big deal. You remember how God created everything but human? You guys remember how that went down? I mean, you weren't there, but we've read about it. He spoke his words. You know that old saying that mom used to say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt you? That was a lie. I love your mother. I think she's probably amazing, but, or maybe your daddy told you that or somebody on the playground. Words are powerful. They can be destructive and they can be so beautiful, but we've set out this whole entire year to base our lives, to look at, to learn, to grow, and to live out what Jesus said. And what did he say? He said so many things. He said who he is. And he asked his followers, and indeed us, who do you say I am? And we've talked about love already. We've talked about a number of things. And we just got done in a series. Do you guys remember what that series was about? Anger. Sweet. (laughs) We're going to talk about joy for the next three weeks. Because I can't imagine a better thing for us to come off of anger on and see that what can actually chase that away is joy. And so really quickly, let's go right to what Jesus said about joy. And he said quite a few things. I cherry-picked a verse here. If you want to join me, you can. We're in John 17. This is called the high priestly prayer by other people that decided that. Who was the high priest we're talking about that prayed this prayer? Jesus, good. I'm just trying to, you know, we're just getting everybody involved here. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's okay. We're remembering, and we will continue to remember Jesus and what he said. In John 17, 13, Jesus is praying about a bunch of different things. And he says this, but now I'm coming to you. And he's talking to his father because he's praying. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Let me read it one more time. Jesus says, now I'm coming to you. I'm getting ready to leave. I'm ready to come home. And these things I speak in the world, these words, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. My joy fulfilled. That's what we're going to be talking about. And it's a little bit of a play on words, but really, you see this young lady in a sea of wheat with the rain coming down and her joy being fulfilled. How can we be filled with joy 
when weather is so poor, when finances are so difficult, when we need a job, when we need help, when we need to no longer be broken. Well, I will say this to you. We need the joy of the Lord. And I'll ask you right now. This is going to be some time for us, church. What is the joy of the Lord? What do you understand that to be? Say it again. His strength. Wonderful. What's the joy of the Lord? Say it. Ooh, receiving. I like that. Strength. Receiving. What's the joy of the Lord? A joy that surpasses understanding. He says a peace that surpasses understanding, but joy, too. We're going to get into what is joy, but yeah, amen. Somebody else is trying to say something? Smiling all the time? Okay. Wow. Nice, Dennis. Tell me more about that. Smiling. Is that like inside you're like saying things that you probably shouldn't say? Or is it just smiling, just joy? Say it again. Amen. Faith in the Lord. Deeper than happiness. Whew. We're going to get into that. What's that? Belonging. Oh, my goodness. Now we're starting to get into stuff that can't change. Because happiness changes. With respect, Dennis, a smile can change. I can go from a smile to a frown and lickety-split. And it's generally because I'm so distracted by what I see around me or what I feel inside of me. But belonging to the Lord, faith in the Lord. So our youngest child, Nehemiah, is named after the prophet Nehemiah, who is also a governor and a builder and all kinds of cool things. I'm not going to go through all of his story, but I will say that his name means God is my comfort. Our youngest was born almost six weeks premature. For some people, are like, that's nothing. My baby was 12 weeks. Great, let's not have a competition. I'm glad they're all alive. But there was a point where I had to give my little baby boy, brand newborn baby boy, over to the doctors and the nurses. And they were trying to get an IV started in him. And it was not going well. And there was a lot of people around. And they said, Dad, you're going to have to step back. And I was like, um, and they're like, we're going to get this taken care of. And I just had to step back. And I was crying, and I'm praying, and I'm remembering that his name means God is my comfort. I was going to get comfort one way or another. Either comfort through the loss of my child and that God would come alongside of me in a way I'd never experienced before. Or he was going to take care of this precious little baby boy in this amazing hospital with these amazing nurses. One who is the meanest person I think I've met in my life. She told me straight up, get back. We're going to take care of this. And I'm like, what happens if you don't? She goes, I'm going to take care of this. And sure enough, of all the people who couldn't get the IV started in my daughter, Cranky Pants was the one that was there. <laughs> or my son, Cranky Pants got it started. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I had a joy because I saw my boy be delivered. Could I have joy if he was delivered into the presence of the Most High God? Of course, 
but we're doing that in theory. What about in practice? Some of you have had to experience that. So all the way back to Nehemiah again, he hears this word from the Lord, and he finds out that Israel, Jerusalem in particular, has fallen apart. I need to go back. He asks the king. The king lets him go back, and there's this unbelievable, miraculous 52-day fixing of the wall of Jerusalem and some homes and all that and so much great stuff is going on and they're reading the Bible. They found the Bible and they're explaining it to people and people start crying. They're grieving. They're like, oh my goodness, we've been so wrong. And Nehemiah breaks out with this in Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's no play on words here. The joy of the Lord is our strength. For what makes the Lord filled with joy? The joy of the Lord is not just what we would experience. And I love it. There's some really cool article, and they've got it linked for you if you want to go see it. But the joy of the Lord is the gladness of heart, this article says, that comes from knowing God, abiding in Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. But it goes on to say that the Lord has joy also. Oh, friends, if Jesus is your joy, he's your source, there's never, ever going to be anybody who can steal it. You may try to give it away. You may forget that this is an unending source and an undefeated king, but that doesn't mean that the source is gone and that he's been defeated. Friend, I'll say it one more time for those who are getting ready to fall asleep. You cannot have your joy stolen in Jesus. You can forget about it somehow. You can lose sight of it somehow. You can even look like you're giving it away somehow, but it cannot be taken from you. The joy of the Lord, as Nehemiah said, is your strength. And so I want to talk a lot more about this. I want to ask you one more time, though, something a little bit different. Not just what is the joy of the Lord. And I would say Jesus is the joy of the Lord. And his joy, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, comes from some really cool stuff. The source is Yahweh himself. But let me ask you, what is joy? Is it happiness? Is it gladness? Is it a smile all the time? What is joy? It's a name for a, a woman, wonderful one of our daughter's middle names, it's fruit of the spirit, all that good stuff, yes. But what is joy to you? Oh, nice, Ruth. Deep contentment on who God is. That's good. Don't feel like you have to have as cool of an answer. Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody else? Come on. Holy Spirit inside of you. Let's pray right now. Nice job. That's good, Jeffrey. Joy from the Holy Spirit. 
sourced by God, who is the Holy Spirit, cannot be lost. And there are the thoughts before we get into Luke 10, 17. The joy of our salvation, being saved. Nothing can take it away. Salvation. Nobody can snatch our hand. You're, Adedayo, you're preaching my message for me a little bit, which is good. <laughs> I love it. Confirmation of his love. It's deeper than a feeling. It cannot go with the wind and the waves. Hey, let's go. Right here, Luke 10, 17 through 20. Jesus sends out 72 some translations will say 70. I love that there's this kind of idea that it's a symbol of the 70 nations that are supposed to be reached in Genesis 10. We hear about that a little bit and who all those nations are in the world at that time. And I love that that could be symbolic. All I know is that at one point he sent out 12 and there was really no big report on what happened. He just said, go, I'm going to take care of you. I'm your food. I'm taking care of you. Watch it. If people don't want you there and they're not going to want you there, then you just kind of walk away and you go. But this one's a little bit different. He sends out the 72, tells them you're going to set people free. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to heal people. You're going to preach the good news. And they come back, and that's where we pick it up. Luke 17. Excuse me, Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Ooh, can we stop at verse 18 for a second? They come back and they're like, Jesus, it was so rad. I don't know if they said rad, but they said it was so good. Even the demons submitted to us in your name. And he's like, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. A couple of things here. He's witnessing to them. I saw this happen. Who you're submitting to, I saw their ruler fall from heaven. So it's a witness, and he's also bearing witness to them that, hey, you're bringing heaven to earth as well. You're setting these captives free. How cool. I see that. Amen. But he's also giving them a warning. Did you hear where Satan fell from? He was in heaven. He was the crown jewel, it says. Of creation. His name was Lucifer, son of the morning, morning star. He was gorgeous. And the warning, I think, is like, look, you guys, you're excited that this is happening? You're excited that the demons are submitting to you in my name? Here's a warning. The head demon thought he was real cool. He thought he was so beautiful and so amazing, and he was. But he thought he was so good that he could be the ruler. And he got kicked out. He's like, warning, don't get caught up in all of this ministry and forget who and whose you are. What a 
great warning. It goes on to say, verse 19, behold, look at this. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Now, some people have done some really dumb things with that, handling snakes and all of that. But he's saying very clearly, serpents, scorpions. Guys, do you remember Genesis 3? The snake would strike the heel, but the son of man, the son of God, would crush his head. He's like, yeah, I've given you this authority. Nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, Jesus says, do not rejoice. Don't find joy in this authority, in this power that you have, that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Friends, he's prioritizing joy. He's like, you know what you should really be excited about? Not so much just the work of the Lord or ministry. You should be stoked about the Lord. That he's got you and nobody can blot you out. This is joyful. This is belonging. This is the nobody can erase this. Even when you feel like you have. Even when you feel like somebody else has. Even like, oh, Lord, this world. And so what in the world can take away our joy? Anybody? You know that Christians aren't necessarily known all the time for joy? It's a, it's a huge sadness in my life. Dana Carvey did this thing called Church Lady back in the day, Saturday Night Live. Hmm, I don't know, say, right? I mean, it's just so pursed lips and crankiness. It's not just church ladies. It's church men. And it's not always that way. Some of you are really joyful. And you know that no matter what happens, you win in Jesus. But we forget, and we're known for saying, this is wrong, and that's wrong, and that needs to change. And why did you do this? You guys, I'm, I'm constantly looking at the, the parking lot and having to realize, I've got the joy of Jesus Christ, my Savior, down in my heart. <laughs> Down in my heart. Down in my heart. <laughs> I have to remember whose I am. It's a parking lot. This is just a body. Like, I might be here for 80 years. I kind of hope not. But it's a temporary place. But my name is written in heaven. I don't care if my name's in big font on a bulletin. My name's written in heaven. I don't care if you know how to spell my name. My name's written in heaven. I don't care. Ultimately, even if somebody remembers my name, my name's written in heaven. This kid came up to me at this camp and he goes, gosh, I've been to your church it's pretty cool. It's kind of a little bit boring. And then he called me the name of the pastor of the church he was talking about. <laughs> you haven't been to this church then, bro. <laughs> I was just like, no. It's cool, isn't it? 
that, that's another church that I'm at, but that church is rad. I love it. You guys, it just, honestly, one of my fathers in the faith, Jan Hedinga, was having some people say, why don't we see the big, huge miracles? You know, the, the people rising from the dead, the people that are sick being healed, the people that are blind seeing, and, and why aren't we seeing more people resurrected in their hearts? And he goes, well, now you're starting to talk about the big miracles. He goes, well, what do you mean? I was just talking about the big miracle. He goes, well, the biggest miracle is salvation. And so I found a really cool quote reading through a bunch of different commentaries, and this one is from one of my favorite Bible teachers, Pastor Warren Wearsby. He said this in the Bible Exposition Commentary. The miracle of salvation has to be the greatest miracle of all. For it meets the greatest need, brings the greatest results, and they last forever, and cost the greatest price. Now, if some of you look in there and go, I don't think cost is how it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be cost without an S. You missed the whole thing. So get over that and go to this. The miracle of salvation is the greatest miracle. It takes care of the greatest needs. It lasts the longest, and it costs the most. Everything else is going to pass away, but not salvation. So I told you that there's our joy, the joy that we would be found in Christ, that our names, as it says in Isaiah, are written, engraved in the palm of his hand. That he says, man, it's not that you can do all these things. It's that your name is written in heaven. The Lord is the big deal. And you're written in his book. But he is also joyful, even in this moment. I mean, the 72 returned, and they were stoked. And he's like, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Little warning, little witness. He's like, but don't rejoice over that. Rejoice instead, be joyful, be filled with joy that your name is written in heaven. In that same hour, verse 21, he, Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now we're starting to talk about what really makes him joyful. If you haven't picked it up, it's that people would know him and the Father. This is the big deal for him. And that it isn't people who, hmm, I deserve it. I've got a lot of doctorates. I deserve it. I've memorized a lot of texts. I deserve it. I give so much. I even tithe out of my garden. Like, that's just next level, right? And he's like, oh, he gave it to people who didn't even understand it. And now they do. And then he turns to his disciples and has a sidebar. Let me help you. He says to them privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, 
and they did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus is filled with joy that his people would know him and see him and hear him. It isn't that they have some bumper crop of ministry. He promises that. If you remember, joy is fruit of the Spirit. Do you know that a grapevine or like even over here off to the side, and now we've got gravel over it, but eventually weeds are going to grow through there. But one time we had just coming up through the cement, we had like a pumpkin growing. <laughs> Nobody tended it. And the pumpkin didn't go, I'm just trying so hard to be. Mm. Mm. It's designed to grow. And in Jesus, that fruit is designed to grow. You don't have to necessarily fight for joy. You have to fight to remember who you are and where you're at and that your name's written there. But you don't have to, oh, I have to be, I have to be joyful. I have to be joyful. You get to be joyful. In Jesus, you will be. And his joy is fulfilled in you and me. What, we get to be a part of making him joyful? I like happy. I like glad. I like all of that. That's good. But the joy is this lasting thing that all of you have heard now and some of you talked about. Well, as long as I get this and this and this, I'll be joyful. Do that with your list real quick. You know how you can be joyful? Remember who you are. And if you're not there yet, then today's the day of salvation. You submit your life. You confess. You admit that he's God and you're not. And you celebrate that he will never leave you out. Ever. Nobody can blot your name out. Romans 8 says if there's condemnation from anybody, it doesn't count. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a real joy-filled passage. Not even on my notes. <laughs> you guys, I, I want to go to a few verses, and then we're going to move on to the rest of your weekend and enjoy your time, celebrate, remember, grieve if you need to, but grieve as those who have joy and hope. I want to go to something just a couple of chapters later in Luke 12. And we've shared this a few times in the last probably 12 months for sure. But a few years ago, we did a Fear Not series. And that was perfect timing because there was just so much fear. And I'd love to tell you that there's no more fear because COVID's gone. And whoever else is in or out of the office of the president of the United States or whatever kingdom ruling and reigning there seems to be going on, that everything's fine now. It's not. But your joy can be full. And here's where Jesus says, fear not. Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He's happy. He's joyful to give you the kingdom. Will you remind me who the king is in the kingdom of God? Holy smokes, that took a minute. <laughs> One more time, friends. I've lulled you with this. 
tones of my voice. <laughs> Who's the kingdom in the kingdom of God? God, not you. Hallelujah. Good job, Phoenix. It's God. Good news. You can be so filled with joy. You don't have to keep everything spinning and going. <gasps> God's got it. And it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Well, wait a minute. If he gives us the kingdom, are we the king? Nope. You rule and reign with him. But his kingdom's in you. And we're going to talk a lot more about that in the months to come. But it's his good pleasure. He's filled with joy to do that. Let's go to John 10, 28 through 30. This is something, I think, Adedayo, you had said something about this even last week and a little bit this week. But right here among us, we've had people say this already today. In Luke, excuse me, John 10, 28 through 30. I think this is something that constantly needs to be um, reminded. We need to be reminded every day. We need to remind ourselves. We need to remind others. Jesus says this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who's given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Woo! The Trinity's got you wrapped up. Better than getting tucked in at night. So I've already told you, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but he's got you surrounded, and he loves you. And sometimes it feels oppressive, but it's joy, friends, and it's good. There's an excitement. There's a joy to know that nobody can snatch you out of his hand. Yeah, but I, I feel it. I know, but your feeling isn't God. God is. <sighs> the hope that we have isn't wrapped up in our circumstances. It's wrapped up in our God. And he makes all things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. No one can snatch you, take you out of his hand. I'm going to remind you, that also means nobody can take your joy, so don't try and give it away. Share it. Share it. But oh, God. They're just so much stronger. They're not stronger than your daddy. Nobody can take you out of his hand. Final verse for today. We're going to go back to that big high priestly prayer. In the very beginning of that prayer, John 17, 3, Jesus says, This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is joy. This is the joy of the Lord. It's to know God. It's to be known by him. You're going to have family and you're going to have friends that are not going to want to be about all that. There's going to be people who have told you your whole life how wrong you are to follow God. And yet you find a joy there, and they're actually ticked off about it. They don't celebrate with you. They're like, what's your problem, weirdo? You're like, you have no idea. I'll be much weirder than this <laughs> for eternity. <laughs> the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah said, is our strength. 
the joy of the Lord is that we would be known by the Lord and the Lord would know us. As a matter of fact, he's always known you and now you can know him. You guys might remember in Hebrews 12 too. And this is kind of a little bonus passage. And I didn't have it in there on purpose. I just wanted to remind you. And I mean, I love it. You guys open the Bible with me. And here we are. Let's go to Hebrews 12 too. Super fast. Not on the screen. And again, just wanting this to kind of stand out and not be on the screen. Just us. Look to Jesus. In Haitian Creole, it says, keep your eyes glued on Jesus. The founder and perfecter. Another translation says, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was set before him? What was the joy of the Lord? That we would be one with him and the Father. That we would be restored. That what happened in the garden wasn't the final word. And that Jesus came to set us free. So how do you move towards this Jesus? Confess. Confess that you need him. Confess that he's the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. First joy that we talked about is salvation, right? That we're saved and nobody can take us out of his hands. But for some of you, you're already there, but you've lost sight. And you need to repent. The relationship with him has taken a back seat to just about anything else. I want strength. I want beauty. I want people to think I am something amazing. But you need to come to the source of joy and OD on that. On him. And it's okay to admit, gosh, I'm just not where I need to be. Sweet. He takes you where you're out of here. Nobody can snatch you out of his hand. Nobody can take your name out of the Lamb's book of life. Because the Lamb paid for you and me. But some of you, again, how do you come to Jesus? How do you come closer to him? You confess that he's God and you're not, that he's Savior, that you needed a Savior. He died and rose from the dead. You believe that and he's yours. And then you start to walk in that assurance and that eternal joy. But the source of joy is him for you. Again, for some of you, some of us, we're at a spot where we need to confess that the problems have become bigger than the problem solver, which is super impossible, but it seems very, very real to us. And he loves you. He's going to flip the script. One last thing. In my lifetime, I believe that, and I was talking with a young man about this even this morning, and he believes it and struggling with it, and we all probably, being honest, struggle with this. We believe that somehow us making mistakes, us blowing it, makes God just go. I'm not talking to you right now. You see my back? Yeah, that's right. That's what you get. You deserve it. One thing I didn't touch at all and will only mention 
over the next couple of weeks is Luke 15. Three different stories of God following when people came back to him. Like a full-on party. He rejoices. There is joy in the presence of the angels, it says. You know what that means? God celebrating, joyful that people come back, that people turn to him. So how do you get closer to Jesus? Turn around if you're away. Remember that he's never left you, never going to forsake you, and that the joy of the Lord is your strength. That joy is Jesus. And I want you to go ahead, if you will, you'll have a little more time this week, starting tomorrow. If we post the Live It Out video, I have a really simple application point for this. And I'm excited for you to get it. Hey, speaking of getting it, we need to get in and out of this parking lot with just, again, one entrance and one exit. I love you. I want you to stay around. But go home. <laughs> so celebrate Jesus. Would you please sign up to help with bringing a little bit of food for the uh, Serve Saturday? It's right back there. You guys, I've, last thing, I promise. I really do. Kathy, I'm saying it because I mean it. All right. Here's what's up. Many times I hear from people, you're always asking for stuff. Here's what's up. If you've already given, then let somebody else jump in. But there are so many of you who sit and receive, and it's time to give. It's time to give. And it's okay. It's not a guilt trip. That's an invitation. Enjoy it. There's joy in serving. There's joy in giving. There's joy in receiving, to be sure. But there's a lot in giving. Jesus even said it's more blessed to give than receive. So God, in that vein, we thank you. We receive from you. We want what you want for us, that joy, that life. That abundant, eternal life is knowing you and being known by you. So, God, may we be strong and courageous, and may we let it be contagious. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.